I'm Hank Stoltz, and this is the podcast of ClearPath Financial. And Ryan Kittredge is here with us, as always, to give us some sage advice. Ryan, Happy New Year to you. Hey, Happy New Year, Hank. And I think that's kind of where we should we should start, Ryan. The fact that it is the new year, people have made all of their New Year resolutions. Now, most of the old standbys, uh, of course, are I'm going to quit smoking, I've got to mm-hmm. lose weight. But I think that for a lot of people, and certainly depending on your age as well, I resolve I'm going to get my financial house in order. And that's where where you come in. Do you see where there's a lot of clients who are thinking along those lines? Oh, there's a lot of things that I know that, I, that I'm not doing that I should be doing. Or there's a lot of things that... We just plain ignore that we know we probably shouldn't be. What are our, what should yeah. some of our financial New Year's resolutions be? <laughs> well, you know, it's not for me to determine what your New Year's resolution <laughs> should be or anybody's, um, I guess, other than my own. But that said, yeah, it's it's a it's a big topic. It's a popular topic. So the ones you mentioned, at least based on the study that I read, right? They're just based on surveys. But the one I read most recently that was just conducted, I think in like the third week of December. So very recently had fitness listed as number one at 48% and then personal finance at 38% was number two. But then a few of the old bellwethers that you mentioned, weight loss, I'm pretty sure was number three. And then um, smoking was, I, mean, I guess, fewer people smoke oh, exactly. today than, than did maybe 20, 30 years ago. So that's maybe five or six. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're very much health related and then personal finance. And, you know, I really think there are some parallels with those together really as well, because money or health in and of itself, I mean, they're really just sort of tools or vehicles that can allow you to enjoy what's important to you. And if you've got them handled and you're addressing them well, then it allows you to not have to worry that, uh, you know, health or money issues are, are going to really get in the way of things. And it allows you to you know, have a life that you're in a future that you're a little bit more excited about. As I read a lot of articles here at the beginning of the year, people, self-help people, other people, you know, are always telling you to live in the moment, to, you know, there are things that are, are out of your control. Don't worry about certain things. Because a lot of people, that's exactly right there. Their lives are kind of controlled by this worry, by this fear. Your eyes are popping open at, at 2 a.m. And that's where I think a lot of the financial issues come in. What are you most scared of? When your eyes pop open at 2 a.m., is it, oh, my gosh, I'm 20 pounds overweight? Or, oh, my gosh, how am I ever going to retire? Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. you know, am I not being able to save uh, as much as I should be? Oh, my gosh, why is it that I feel in my mind I'm being fiscally responsible? But it mm-hmm. seems at the end of the, of the month I've always spent more than I've brought in. So those seem to be really – those are – Issues that stop us, perhaps, from having the life that we want when you're constantly having some of these money worries. Yeah, definitely. And again, not, I'll get off the, the, the parallel to health, but it's it's definitely related. You know, and here we are just a couple weeks into the new year. So we're, we're into the new year, but yeah. we're basically at that point where kind of most people start sort of giving up or quitting on the habits that they're trying Isn't to build amazing? We did, toward those goals. Quick. Yeah, it does. So it's a long haul. So I think, you know, the, the first thing is going back to it as a as a vehicle, like people, 
at least you know clients I've talked to, if they've mentioned health related goals, sure, it could be to to feel better, more confident in the clothes that they own, right? And just to feel better showing up somewhere. But a lot of it's related to, I want to be there to be able to play with my grandkids. I don't want to be couch bound and not be able to throw the ball around. I want to be able to still keep up with my spouse and take the that trip around Europe that we've talked about. So it's a lot of times related to it. Same thing with money. It's not usually like, well, I mean, sometimes just if, if you don't have a plan, then it's like, well, all things being equal, I'd rather take more money than less, right? So I'd like yeah. more money, yeah. but it's usually because there are goals that they don't know if they're funded or not yet. They want to be able to provide support for a loved one, you know, education or, or health related, um, or they want to at least have the option to not have to show up to a job, especially if they no longer get the same satisfaction that they once had. So it's related to these other things, but I think that the biggest piece of it is with any goal setting is first to like start with a vision, right? And, and not to just, you got to make sure that the goals are your goals. So again, you know, what are, there are common ones that I can reference, but it needs to start with values that are important to you. And for some people, it could be, hey, listen, we prioritized saving for retirement and sort of keeping a tight budget and all of that. And now we're at a point in our lives where we don't want to have to be as as tight to the vest with a tight budget. And they want a little bit more freedom, but they need to know what that order of values and, and to sort of prioritize it that way. And then you can kind of build a plan to get there. And usually the plan that works, Hank, is one that's pretty simple, but repeatable, where you can just sort of build on a good habit. Let's talk more about that. How do we take control of our finances then in the new year? And it seems as if, as with any resolution, what is something that you can stick with? So when you're saying, you know, let's make that plan as as simple as possible, we want to be able to stick with it over 12 months or 12 years or until you need that pot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, and typically the goals that people cite as New Year's resolutions, ideally, I think in most cases, they'd like to, to keep it going mm-hmm. beyond the 12 years, right? They almost want to you know, build the habit where that stays true. They don't want to become, you know, financially have a lot of like liquid financial security or, or get six pack abs. And then, you know, then next <laughs> January, just Total give it all change. back. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of want to build on it. Right. And And so it's usually those incremental goals, but typically the ones, like I said, are are sort of simple and they tend to be automated. So before you even get to those, you know, and I can give a little bit of a punch list or some ideas of things to, to review that are worth taking inventory of right now, and then potentially making some small adjustments to, but it really is to start with values and then you come up with the goals from there. And then it's like you said, to be really pretty honest with yourself or if you're working with a professional with the person you're working with to talk about what the issues are, like what's helped, what have been the hangups in the past? What are the areas where you don't have that confidence and you, you need some guidance or a little bit of motivation in some cases. And because if you don't really have a clear idea of like where you're actually at now, then it is hard to roadmap to the next stage. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about that punch list then and help get us on our way to our roadmap of where we want to be. And as you said, some things that really we can do for life to help us reach our goals. Yeah, so I think a good one in general is to, we talk to clients a lot about 
investing, right? Investing is one of those, one of the pillars of kind of a, a financial household, right? A strong financial foundation, right? You've got investing, but you've got debt management and you've got cash flow and income and tax planning and all these other things, right? That can kind of flow into that or part of that. But a big one in terms of investing, which isn't related to stocks or bonds or anything like that is, is actually thinking about how you can invest in yourself. And it, maybe it could be a little bit cliche, but when you think about investing in yourself through education, training, experiences that I'm thinking from a financial standpoint, more like sort of career oriented or could help improve your income earning potential, right? Can could qualify you for a higher wage or better benefits package or something like that. But I mean, even investing in yourself for life pursuits as well, like to put money into learning and experiences in, in education, I think goes a long way. And it's hard to quantify it for someone who's like a number cruncher. If you hire a coach or a personal trainer, you're more likely to, with the accountability, with the guidance, to stick with it as well. So I think the first thing is don't be afraid. So for me, when I think about my personal budget, actually like self-improvement and like, mm. what am I, what am I needing, needing to get better at? What do I need additional education resource training on? That's one of the first things I think about and, and set up a little budget, budget. Boy, for that. that's, yeah, no, that's fantastic because I do think, or I'm guessing that a, a lot of us just get hung up on what is my day to day, whereas a way for me to be able to increase my income is everything that you just said. Do I need uh, another degree or another certificate to be able to advance? If I'm looking to get not even a new job, but just advancement where I am, does that next step up the ladder require something that I don't have on my resume, but that mm -hmm. I can go out and get? So I think that's a great one for us to be able to, to start with, for us to budget in what we are going to need to make a, a brighter future for ourselves. Wow. All right. What else is on the, on the list? <laughs> so I think getting to more the maybe what's expected or more of the mundane but important <laughs> facets of it are are really the like the balance sheet and then the cash flow, you know. So and it's really no different than for a business. What is the, what money is coming in and going out? And then, you know, what do you own and what do you owe? And there's the two sides of those equations. And you really need to start there, ultimately. And I think why that's important is to, from a cash flow standpoint, know what the income is. A lot of people, if it's left for you to sort of sketch out your own budget or to ballpark it, like, you're going to underestimate it. So the reality is most people maybe have some automated payments like their, say their mortgage or, you know, some liability payments. But aside from that, a lot of people put everything else on a credit card. So mm. the best gauge, even for me with, you know, what I do, it's pretty easy, right? It, you know, I pay these few bills and then everything else is automated recurring, which is part of it. And if you don't have that set up, absolutely set up automated payments, right? Because that's a, right. that's just the killer that, you know, you can prevent our sort of payment, mispayment penalties. I mean, you want to preserve your credit. You don't want to get hit with like weird charges or penalties yeah. and things like that. So automate everything. And if you do that, then there's a nice summary report at the end of the year to see where your money is going. And that's not, that's probably like the least fun aspect of it, but it can be pretty eye-opening as well. And people are like, oh my God, how did I spend X last year on whatever automated payments and particularly for the for the big things. I think that in our 
modern society sometimes it's the very small things too. For example, the number of dollar ninety nine charges for things that I don't remember <laughs> what they are and mm-hmm. I don't think I'm using them anymore, mm-hmm. but they keep popping up. And at yeah. at the end of the year, the seven ninety nine here, the dollar ninety nine here, the twelve ninety five that was for free for the first three months, and Absolutely. now I've got nine months where I've been paying it, and all of a sudden. On a monthly basis, it has definitely added up. And over the course of the year, it's mm-hmm. definitely added up. Absolutely. I mean, what I literally do, and this is for budgeting, for from a, you know, for me being a business owner, being self-employed, it's also from an accounting standpoint for the business when it when it's related at least to business expenses. But I take those credit card year-end summaries with the categories. And I'll go through with a highlighter, and if there's anything funky that's jumping out like you just mentioned, I'm like, what? what is this thing, $5.99, $5.99? And, and then I might be like, oh, yeah, it's that thing, and I'm still, I'm still enjoying it, and absolutely it's worth it. You know, and then I'll put it aside, but every year I identify a couple that I'm like, what's this? This has to go. And then you can you just make those, um, yeah, those you know, cancel those subscriptions. But we are a subscription society, so yeah. uh, they can... It can be like termites. It can eat away a little bit at it over time when, when it all adds up. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. Two two real good ones to, to get us started here is we're kind of looking at our you know, new year and a good time for self-reflection and a little self-assessment as to where we are as we start to head towards our, our financial gear uh, goals. Are there some other things that are on the, the list that we should be thinking of? Yeah, absolutely. I think a big one, especially for this year, more so than even in other years, is that you know to be reviewing your both your what you owe, so debt, whether it's um, could be auto loans, home equity line of credits, you know, student loans. Be reviewing those for what the interest rates are now. A lot of ones have changed. Anything that's variable. Um, has gone way up, right? So for years they were, you know, kind of trudging along low interest rates. Things that were adjustable weren't really adjusting very much. That's all changed. So some people were kind of catching that a year, the last year, because this interest rate hike started a couple of years ago. But they've gone up further. So you want to assess that, and if you can move things around, sometimes it's as simple as consolidating debt, or you look and you're like, geez, I've got this extra savings account with that money that's beyond what I need earmarked for emergency fund and these other goals, like, why don't I take that eight grand and pay off that auto loan because it's at 8% because I had to take it out last year and I just needed to get the car done, you know, get the deal done and took the loan, but should you pay that off now? So definitely reviewing interest rates because there's an opportunity to potentially save quite a bit there. And then on the flip side of it, it's what's your, you know, what is your cash doing? So like savings, huge spread there between the 0% literally, or the very common kind of big bank, you know, 0.01% on your checking account. And in a lot of them, the savings accounts haven't adjusted up, although there are great rates out there. So like one client said, well, he's a newer client was referred over to me, but he's like, geez, like me having that, all of that cash parked in my, I'm not going to name the big the big bank, we all know him, you know, parked in there. I had that, you know, 300 grand. He's like, I lost basically like 12 grand because of the opportunity costs. I could have put it in a money market at 4%, right? So it's 
reviewing those for opportunities to either save on rates or, you know, shop out better rates. Yeah, interesting, you know, that you have people who have that kind of money and just sitting there. Then you have, I think I saw one of the headlines just say all these articles, as we're really talking about, come out at the end of the year, the beginning of the year. The numbers seemed staggering, the percentage, I, I want to say it was 50% of Americans don't have a rainy day fund, don't mm-hmm. have uh, a savings or an emergency fund. They really are living month to, to month. What you're giving us really, I think, applies to you no matter where you are on whether you're kind of living month to month right mm-hmm. now and want to get away from that or whether you have some some assets to protect. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of these, hey, we have pretty wealthy clients who are sitting on quite a bit of money and substantial investments, and then they've got quite a bit in the bank to boot. That's not always true. And a lot of times it's, it could be even money that, you know, clients sold their house and, you know, now they're, you know, they're downsizing, Mm. um, but they're not, you know, redeploying it. They're not buying the new house for a couple of years because they're going to go move to Florida and lease for a year and then find where they want to retire to, that kind of thing. It could be sort of like a transitional thing like that. It could be uh, money in an old employer plan that's in a money market and just not paying. So it's not always like you just happen to have a bunch of money sitting in a bank account, but you got to look at those different pockets and you know, can you put it to work? And then, and if you if you are in that position like so many are, where you don't have that liquidity, you're really trying to. You know, I mean, you want a little bit of liquidity always. You know, at least a, you know enough for to get you by if you miss a paycheck or two, but maybe you're, you're saying, boy, I can't save money. I need to be paying off my card student loans and those sort of things. So this is even, I think, even more important when you look at the, the debt side, because the opportunity to save more on the high interest rates is even greater. Ryan, when we get those offers for those 0% credit cards and move your, your balance over, is that something that we should take a look at? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them, they can be valid. You got to look out sometimes depending on, you want to use a reputable institution, right? Either one that is well-regarded and has sort of been vetted by financial sort of journals and things like that, or just a local bank that you trust. If it's your bank making the offer, right, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, um, a lot of times you kind of have to ask for it too. Sometimes if you're with the bank and you say, hey, I saw this CD thing that you have at, at four and a half, you know, 5%. And my money's not there. Like, you know, they might say, oh, well, yeah, that's sort of like the promotional rate. You kind of got to, you either got to have to ask about it or you have to bring over for an account, you know, from somewhere right. else. So you just got to know, is there a caveat with it? Um, <laughs> one, one client um, recently said, you know what? I swear there's this account and it's at 8%. And like, that sounds like, unbelievable like too good to be true probably like i'd love to know more about it though like (laughs) tell me about it i'm sure a lot of other people want to know about it too and i suspect that it could be i said it could be one that like it's only up to a certain amount so just kind of check and sure enough um it was eight percent up to 999 dollars 99 cents and then a thousand up to infinity was at you know one and a half percent so like okay so you know, just look for one that's not a gotcha right. kind of deal. But exactly. the rates are out there. Read the small print. Uh, Ryan, if, if you want to hit us with some other things on the list, but also how do we stick with some of these goals I want to ask you uh, about? I mean, you know, some of the things that, that you've been talking about, mm-hmm. think that we should be able to, to stick with them, and yet we know that 
sometimes for whatever reason we don't seem to be sticking with some of our, our goals. Absolutely. Um, I think in terms of just like punch list or things, there's, there's a lot we talk mm. about, but I think one other simple one is to review where your money from your paycheck is going mm. and to take your W-2 from last year that shows all your deductions and see how much went to federal taxes. Is it, is it enough? Are you owing every year? And not having the money to come up with it or getting surprised, you know, should you adjust your withholding? Are you taking advantage of a free match from an employer on a 401k or similar retirement plan? And if so, are, you know, are you putting in what's required? So take a look at that, reviewing insurance coverages, reviewing other benefits totally makes sense. In terms of sticking with goals, boy, there are other people that, that know better than me, but one book I read um, in the last probably six months or so was Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's all about account. I mean, I think, you know, things like committing to it in writing, telling people close to you that this is a goal, right? It, it makes it more real than if you just think in your head, well, that would be great. I've, I've been told it's not a goal unless it's written down right. and communicated to other oh, people that can hold you accountable. Something simple to do. And then I guess just the, the telling is how is that going? And especially if you have a significant other or a spouse and they say how, you know, that can be almost a, a joint goal. You're keeping each other accountable. Have a check in. It could be a, like a, a 15 minute huddle once a week. I mean, it won't, it shouldn't, you know, always need to be that, but maybe right. at the beginning yeah. to kind of keep yeah. you on track, little check-in and, you know, how are we doing? And, and it's setting up, like I said, either, either daily or weekly habits that are automated, that just doing that one little bit extra, developing that one better habit and then tracking, did I stick to that this week or this day or not? Right? Like, and if you get off track, you know, giving yourself the grace to not beat yourself up about it because that just gets totally discouraging and then you're apt to never set any more goals and it's just not going to be pretty. So give yourself some leeway. But if you miss, try to get right back on because if you sort of have the skips, we all know this, you know, we've all gone to the gym and done it for a stretch and then fell off. If you miss one and you've been sticking with it, you hate it. And you're like, oh, I got to get back on. I'm not going to miss two in a row, right? I can't miss two in a row or I'll build a bad habit. But once you're off the wagon and you're kind of just missing them, it almost becomes self-reinforcing. So have somebody else hold you accountable and just, you know, check to see if you're on track or if you need, you know, maybe another little boost. Yeah. I would say too, you know, you had brought up the going to the gym and having somebody who is a personal trainer and that can help keep you accountable. You have someone like a clear path financial where you're working with people and working on their goals. That would seem to me to also be a way where, you know, I'm, I've uh, got my plan. We've put some things together. I've all, I've made the investment to go out and take the step to get, you know, this, this financial advice mm -hmm. and okay, I'm going to be checking in with Ryan I, you know, what have I been doing or not doing yeah. for the things that we agreed on? <laughs> yeah. And that can kind of help keep you accountable. Absolutely. And I'm, listen, like my, my job isn't to, it's not to make people feel right. bad, but it's right. to be realistic and to, to, and to hold people accountable. And, and it's funny, there's sometimes people come in and they're like, they can't wait to tell me, Hey, I want to update you on my progress. <laughs> we set up and I've got my punch list. I've got, you know, what we're talking about and they're already running through it. Right. There are other people who just come in they're like, 
So that thing <laughs> that you, you told me to adjust the tax withholding to change that, you know, that uh, allocation to my 401k, I didn't do those things like it, help, like, like, let's do it right, right now. I right. don't want to go another quarter and, yeah. you know, skip on it. So I didn't yeah. do my homework, but like, how do we... How do we get back on and it? It's a, that is a, a great, great thing. We're, we're talking, of course, about the fact that here we are in 2024. It's the start of the new year. Let's get into all of our, our good habits to make it a great year and going forward past 2024 as well. Uh, we only have a, a moment left. Uh, what else should should be? We'll probably be talking about this in the months to come, obviously. But anything else that we, we really need to know as we start to wrap up today? Um, not, not really, Hank. I think it's, it's not over committing, but making a small commitment that can have a big impact if compounded, right? Like if I do this one thing and I think it helps to, to look forward, right? If you, I keep going back to this analogy cause it's been sort of running through the, the theme of the show here, but if you commit to the gym and you know why you're doing it and because you want to be around a long time, you want to have a great quality of life, you don't want to be bedridden in your older years, like all these reasons. But then you go to the, you know, go to the gym a few days for that first week and you step on the scale and you're not down any weight and you're, you don't look like you've got more ripped biceps than you did a week ago and then you just give up. Well, that's not great either, right? So I think it's to not be focused on, we talk about this idea of, having goals, but having loose goals, but tight systems to get you there. Because you can say, I want to lose 20 pounds, but you can only control what you're eating and how you're exercising and getting enough sleep and water and all those things, right? So you sort of come up with a plan that could get you to 20 pounds if you do all those right things. But guess what? If it doesn't happen, but you're following the system, you're going to still be a heck of a lot closer to it than you would have been. So I I take comfort in following the system. So things like that are disruptions in life. I mean, even in our business, even the market or this uh, tax change, tax code change, or this political, you know, proposal, you know, legislative change. Well, that doesn't really deter me because if, if our clients and we're still following the process and in controlling the things that we can control, we don't have to worry about the things that we can't control. And that's to your point. So like, yeah, you don't always want to be worrying. I'm a worrier by nature, frankly, like I always have been, but it's a little bit more empowering to at least be worried about the things I have control over, which is a much smaller segment than the many things I don't have control over and to almost accept those and then adapt as, as they come. Ryan, how do people get in touch with you and clear path financial? So the easiest way, um, you can go right to our website. It's clearpathfinancialpartners.com, located right in Northboro. Or you can you can always give us a call. Happy to just chat, you know, talk through a situation. So 508-219-7221 is our phone number. Very good. Thank you for joining us on this edition, this New Year's edition of the podcast of ClearPath Financial. 